So many souls have tested him throughout the course of time. So many still reach out to him with broken parts and minds. And every one of them will say, without exception, that they find Jesus never fails. I prayed and mold, asked God, got before him, what do, what do you want me to what do you want me to say? What do you want me to speak on? And the whole Bible, what do we want to, what do you want me to talk? I'm always open. Whatever God directs me to do, I want to be able to do it. I do not judge the political fallout on what he asked me to do. I'm not politically correct, as most of you know. I am biblically correct, hopefully, by the grace of God, but not politically correct, because you can't, the two never meet. But I ask God, what do you want me to do? And so here it is. I'm going to give you what God gave me, I believe, with all my heart. And I'm not going to tell you the passage. Well, I'll, I will tell you the passage. But I have a little introduction for 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, verse emphasis on verse 9 there, the thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 for context reasons. But really, verse 9, there's a phrase in verse 9 I want to center on. The, the title of this is, What is God Doing With Me? I, I like the change of the year because it brings me into a contemplative mode, mood, where I look inward and I, and I look and say, God, what, what would you... I don't believe in excessive introspection, by the way. I'm against excessive introspection. The world does not swirl around me. That may come as a surprise. That the world does not swirl around you, but the world does not swirl around you. The world does not swirl around me. It's, it's not all about me, as the t-shirt says. Uh, it's about God. Everything's about God. Ultimately, in the universe, when all the dust settles, it's going to be God. And those who agreed with him and understood him for who he was. That's the only people going to be left. Uh, because God is the ultimate reality of everything. So what is God doing with me? Uh, I may, it could be alternately entitled, uh, What a Good Ending is All About. Now, I preach on a good ending with a group of people that aren't too far away from that ending. Because here in South Florida, our mean age is about 58. Now, if you go up to some of the northern areas or cities, mean age is 32, 33. But here in Florida, mean age is 58 years old. And a lot of us in this room are, are winding down. I may would say amen to that. Some of you, your clock's broken already. The spring broke. But uh, we're winding down. I mean, you got to know that to be true. A good life, however, what is a good life? What is a good life defined as? Well, it varies from person to person. One person will define a good life as ending well with wealth. Another may define a good life as ending healthy. There used to be a commercial that says, if you have your health, you, you don't need anything else or have just about everything. To one, it's ending with lots of kids or grandkids. That's what their definition of a good life is. So another, it's being important, building a huge business, or I may say huge business. Uh, to the other, that's a local, that's a local joke here. To one, it's having an influence on people. Uh, to another, a good life is, is defined as being beautiful. You know, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. To another, it's being strong. 
They go to the gym so they can get out of proportion. To another, it's living a long time. The problem with living a long time is you don't know what living a long time is until you're already there and you can't stop it. To, uh, to another, it, it's uh, giving our lives to help others along the way. That's a noble thing. To the Bible-believing Christian, our ending compared to the world is totally different. The world's scenario and their desires for what they consider a good life and a good ending of life is not and should not be even close to what the Bible-believing Christian has as a definition. Our ending is opposite or should be opposite the desires of the flesh. Amen? And we should only be close to that. Uh, we should not have, uh, our ending should leave off selfish wish, wishes or self-promoting endings or carnal cravings for lust or power. That should not be our end as born-again Christians. If you want a great or fabulous finish in this life, you better brace yourself and hang on. If you submit yourself to God, he's going to give you possibly one of the wildest rides of that you would have imagined. It will be a strange ride as a Christian in some ways. It will be an unpredictable ride for sure, and it will have twists and turns in it and a, a new view around, if I may say, every corner. It will not, this, a life that God gives you to live that, that is pleasing in his sight as a Christian will not exalt you. It will not exalt this world. It cannot. For this world and all of the lusts and the passions and everything in this world, the Bible says, is going to pass away. It's going to be gone. Why? Because it says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, it says it's not of the Father. The, the things that this world offers are smoke. A carrot put out in front of the donkey who never quite reaches it. And even when people so-called once in a while reach what everybody else wants, which is oftentimes fame, money, and power, they are miserable and will oftentimes even give testimony that they wish they could go back to the way they used to be. They wish it was better when they were poorer. How many have heard that? Food tasted better, I guarantee you. But if you want to live the life that is pleasing in God's eyes, uh, he will show you, and this morning I'm going to read to you a phrase that for a born-again Christian is secret to the world. It is kept back from the wise and the prudent of this world. And here's what it is. Let's read verse 8 through 10, and then we go back to verse 9. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. This is Apostle Paul and his, the people that are with him, which came to us in Asia. That we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. And this is the key verse. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. They believed they were going to die. It was over. But why? What, what he goes on to say is the most interesting. We had the sentence of death in ourselves, 
And obviously, from the context, it was because God said this was the way it was supposed to be. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. And what did God do? Past, present, and future, God is doing for me and you as a born-again believer. He delivered us for in the past from so great a death. How many would say, amen, you've been delivered from so great a death? By, by coming to Jesus Christ and believing that he's the one, that he died and was buried and rose again the third day, and with all your heart you, you are, you're sorry for what you've done against him and ask him to save you, the Bible says you're born into the family of God. When you get born into the family of God, the Holy Spirit of God himself comes in and literally dwells with you, makes up residence with you, abides with you. The Bible says forever, John 14, 23. Never to leave you. Your name's written in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life, which is in heaven, and someday your name will be read before the hosts of heaven. Wow. We've been delivered from so great a death. Because if you miss Jesus, God has no other decision, no other plan than to place you in, a, in, a, in a, what the Bible calls, uh, in English, hell, also referred to as a lake of fire. I, in the description that Jesus gives of it, Mark chapter 9, you would never, ever, ever want to be there, go there, spend five minutes there, two minutes there, one minute there. I always tell people about, a lot of people say, I'm going to hell where all my friends are. Your friends won't be there that you know of. Yeah, they may be there, but they not be there that you're going to know of because it's going to be a place of absolute isolation. What's the worst thing we do to our prisoners in our prison system? Isolation. Drives people crazy. Isolation. You say, I don't like people. You will. You get alone long enough, and you'll beg to just have somebody say something to you. Just say a voice to you. Just talk to you a little bit. Just have somebody. We're not, we're not able to live and keep our sanity too long by ourselves. It's, it's a torment. But one of the horrible things of hell will be the isolation of it. But anyways, the, the place called hell is what he saved me from. He saved me from the rejection of the eternal God. Because of my sin. Because if sin was allowed in heaven, it would destroy everything heaven represents. It would reinfect it with the, with the, with the things that you see going on uh, within your own family. The Bible says the goal of all that's going on in a born-again Christian's life is that they would not trust in themselves. It makes sense. Trusting in myself is a lie. This whole thing called life as a Christian is about learning this principle. Paul said, look, this is the beloved. This is the, this is the privileged. This is the especially called apostle Paul that is penning these words under inspiration and moving of the Holy Ghost. And he says, Look, we're troubled, we're pressed out of measure, we're above strength, we're despaired even of life. We're, we're, we're as down as you can get. You can't get further down emotionally and physically and financially and socially than what Paul was talking about right here. And he says, God's doing it. Makes sense why I wasn't bitter. If you don't get this, you'll get bitter. How many people I've met that are bitter? They're bitter at God. 
I go door to door all the time, talk to people all the time. They're bit, they're mad at God. In fact, one woman, I'm a nurse of a, of a doctor I know, told me I'm bitter at God straight out. She says, I said, why don't you come to church? I said, if you come to church, I'll give you a $100 bill if you stay the whole service. On the way out, you ask me for the money, I'll give you a $100 bill. Now, that normally, you'd think, I've offered that all kinds of times through the years. I've had one woman in the whole I've ever offered that ever come and collect the money. Is it that bad going to church that you won't sit for an hour and get a, a hundred bucks? I may have to up that. If Brother Gillespie would, would uh, under, underwrite me on that, I may up that to $500. We'll see what happens. Besides, he'll be in pain. They'll be here. Maybe not. Maybe not. All the troubles, the trials, the pressures, the failures, they're here to teach us not to trust in ourselves. Well, in Paul's life, if it could go wrong, it went wrong. Uh, when he was called of Jesus, especially on the road to Damascus, and Jesus appears to him, unusual, right? I mean, you got to know that he was a special vessel. But he says, I'm going to show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I don't think it registered in Paul's mind at that moment. I wonder what that would be. Oh, I mean, suffering. He heard Jesus. He figured suffering, but he didn't know suffering like he was going to go through. He didn't understand how deep it was. If it could go wrong, it would. He was rejected by the other apostles for a while. He was treated with suspicion wherever he went because he was formerly a Pharisee. He, is, he, he was spoken against by all his family, the Jews, those that did not get converted to Christ. He was an enemy of the state of Israel for years. He was beaten with rods. He was beaten with a cat of nine tails over and over again. He was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He spent a night and a day in the deep. He, uh, he, he spent time... Uh, he, he was lied about constantly. He was laughed at and mocked. He was scorned. He was ridiculed. You name it, he had trouble. He said, we're pressed out of measure. What's the word mean? It means burdened, a burden too heavy to bear. We're burdened so heavy, I, don't, I can't stand it anymore. That's what it means to be pressed out of measure. It said he was above strength. That means beyond his power. He said, I cannot go, for, this is too big for me. He said he, was, he despaired even of life. He, it, it means he, he, there was no, when he looked around, there was absolutely no way out of it. There was no escape. What was coming upon him, which what he said was the sentence of death. That's a judicial phraseology there. That means the judge has sentenced him. It's a done deal. He thought, God, it's over. I mean, he thought he was going to, I believe Paul, without any doubt in my mind, thought he was going to die in Corinth. When he went to Corinth the first time, it was such an evil city. It was such a violent city. He didn't want to stay. And Jesus appeared to him and said, I got many people in this city staying. Otherwise, he was out, man. Paul was not a self-promoting a martyr. You know, I'm going to martyr myself and be a hero. He didn't want to get martyred. He got let down by a basket in Damascus to get away from getting martyred. He got out. He wanted to get out of Corinth to get away from being martyred. He wasn't trying to be martyred. He was trying to live for Jesus, not die for Jesus. But he was willing to accept the sentence of death in his life. That's big, man. These are tough things. Is this the God who loved me? And gave himself for me? Is this the God of all comfort? Is this the God of compassion and kindness? 
Is this the God of all mercy? Is this the lover of my soul? Is this sweet Jesus? You have to say yes. Yes. God himself orchestrated what was going on in Paul's life and in your life and in my life for the same purpose as verse 9 states. Because we're so egocentric, which that means it's all about us, God has to beat through that to make you realize the truth of the universe is what? It's all about God. You can't grow as a Christian if you don't get this truth. You'll remain a baby. You can never see the beautiful stars that God wants you to see unless you get this truth. You can never climb to the celestial peaks of joy unspeakable and full of glory unless you get this. This is how big this is today. you got to get this. If you don't get this, you're going to get bitter. God has prepared 2017 something to teach you this lesson. I don't know what it is. But God wants you to get this. I go to him on a regular basis and say, I've got it. And he goes, no, you don't have it. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm not trusting in myself anymore. I'm trusting in you. He said, no, no, you need a little more tune-up. So I get a tune-up. In that tune-up, I say, thank you, Jesus. That has helped me a lot. You know, there's not been one bad thing that God has brought, bad thing meaning world-wise, what the world looks as bad things, brought into my life that did, 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 did not help me as I submitted to it, as I realized it was God's hand. It did not help me to be a better Christian. It has not helped me to have more of a spiritual understanding. It has not helped me to see new things, spiritual things, good things. Take your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is kind of a Bible study this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. Another place where this same scenario occurs. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That's the treasure of salvation, by the way. We have it. God's place. We're earth, right? We're, we're, we're earth. These are vessels. We... You are not your vessel. You are in your vessel. This body is my vessel for this moment. But my eternal, undying, never-dying soul is in this body and contained in this body. And I realize that this body is of this earth. And this body eventually, when it dies, turns back to dirt. Literally, quite literally. The chemistry of dirt. But I'll go on. He says, but this treasure, this, this treasure of salvation, this beautiful thing that God's given us, is in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of what? Of God and not of us. Not of us. Right after that, to prove it true, he says, we're troubled on every side, yet not despaired. We're perplexed, but excuse me, we're not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. 
we're always bearing about in the body the dying. There's that sentence of death again. The dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. What these things teach us, here's God's, here's God's pattern. I see a pattern. Trouble, trouble, trouble. We submit to God, realizing he's going to use this for my betterment, use this to understand more, more clearly that, that I'm not to trust in myself but in him because he's worthy of my trust. I die to self. I die to my temporal gain. I die to my rights. I die to my expectations. And I, in turn, I live under God's will. I live under God's ways. I live under God's outcomes. I'm alive and I live to God's decisions not to trust in myself. And he said, nah, that's what that's about. That's what you, I want you to learn. Take your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 9. We see it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 9. Unless, Paul says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, uh, you know, he wrote, he wrote all, all, almost half the uh, New Testament under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. And I want you to notice, he says the same thing again at the end of the sentence. He said at the beginning of the sentence. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, folks, you start a sentence out with that, you end with that, it's on your mind. You know, it's on your mind. You start out, uh, uh, lest I should be exalted above measure, I get all this trouble, this thorn. By the way, the, and, the, and we don't have time this morning, but three times he seeks God's help. Three times the great apostle Paul that could heal others asked God to take this trouble, this thorn, this whatever it was, this affliction, this infirmity, take it from me, take it from me. And I don't think there's a thing wrong with asking God to help you. I think you should do that. I think you should do what Paul said, but Three times God said, what did he say? Three times. Look at verse 9 of chapter 12. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in, and if I may add the word, your weakness. God cannot work in your strength. He can only work in your weakness. That's why I'm up here. Because I can't do this. And I kept telling God from the day he called me to today, I can't do this. I can't do this. But if you want me to do it, I'll walk up there, but you've got to do something. Because they're all going to get up and say, he is a fraud. Get him out of here. He can't preach. He can't talk. He's, he slaughters the king's English. He talks about hunting. We don't like that. What I, what I realized was, this ain't about me. It's about God in me. It's about God in me. God said, go do this. The first time I ever preached, I had sweaty hands. I was My, my voice shook. I didn't know where I was. Repeating myself, forgot half what I wanted to say, and went for 45 minutes. 
don't have a clue what I said. I don't even clue. I got down and said, boy, I told my wife, I said, I hope you remember what I said because I don't remember what I said. They didn't record stuff back then. <laughs> May have been better. I don't know. There's a pattern again in this passage the third time. He was concerned about his self-promotion. He was concerned about his self-confidence because he mentioned it twice. And he sought the Lord to try to get deliverance because he's human. Why? Because he's human. You and I are still human, though we're inhabited by God, the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and faith in that. And he's saved us. And yes, he's put our name in the last book of life, but we're still human. We walk in this earthen vessel. And I just tell you, I don't like pain. How about you have a say amen to that? I don't like pain. My wife right now is in a real battle with shingles. That's a weird battle. She had it 18 years ago, fairly mildly. Didn't think you could get it again. Lie. And she got it again this time with a vengeance. And it's, she says, it feels like somebody hit me in the back with a baseball bat. I've, I've seen the woman. I've never seen the woman in this kind of pain. I saw her have Troy. She went in that kind of pain. I have seen her go through this daily, 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 daily. It's 24-7. It's always with her. It gives her a little break once in a while. And I keep telling her, you know, I'm a good nurse. I said, God's doing this to make a better Christian. She wants to hit me and tell me to shut up. You know, God's doing this because you got the sentence of death on you so that you can. Well, I was preparing this sermon. I thought I would just try it out on her. It's a Bible. But you know, in the midst of the trouble, there, it's hard to crack a smile, amen? I can stand up I can stand in front of you this morning without pain and delivered from immediate troubles that I know about. Now, I may have the, the freight train maybe coming in to hit me over here, but I don't know. And I can talk about this, but you know, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, it's a little tougher. But even in the valley of the shadow of death, when the words don't want to come out of your mouth, thank him. Thank him. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for teaching me not to trust in myself. Man, I think I'm a slow learner. My wife never been sick, never had hardly any heartache in her life except for me. And when she got sick this time, I said, wow, wow. You must be so much better person, so much more spiritual, so much deeper than I am. Because I have, I have, I have been whipped over and over and over and over again. I said, man, you must be a quick learner. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 26, 29 says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the what? Look at the list here. The foolish things of the world that confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. God, and, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not, 
In other words, they're, not, they're nothing to the world to bring to naught the things that are. And the, 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 the crescendo verse in verse 29 says, why did God do that? Why is that God's pattern? Why is that God's method? Because that no flesh will glory in his presence. That's a statement of fact. That's a statement of fact. In God's presence, no flesh is going to get up and say, you couldn't let a Baptist go to heaven on his works because you'd get him up there going, I made it. I made it. Follow me. I'll teach you how to do it. $50 each. Little ch- start a seminar. Start, start making money. How to be successful, the old Baptist. I mean, he'd be up there just bragging. God's got to humble you to a place where you finally get it that this thing is not about us. It's about him and that we're not to trust in ourselves. We're to trust in the living God who made heaven and earth. And I can say at my stage of the game, it's a good life. It's a peaceful life. It's a settled life. It's a firm life. It's a joyful life. It's a happy life. It's a good life. It's a sweet life. Because you know what? The responsibility comes off my shoulders. If I don't trust in myself, then the responsibility is off of my shoulders other than just trusting. So when things come by me, I can just trust that he's going to do the right by me. Brother Moore, you've been through it recently. Just trust in the living God. You've been through things. It's, it's a sweet, it's so much better than biting your fingernails like the liberals were during the election. I had to throw that out. One, one, one CNN reporter, uh, MS, uh, that's uh, Clinton Network, I think it is. Um, they said, this is a real nail biter. I yelled back to TV, not for me. It's a real nail biter tonight. I said, not for me. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And I can tell you as a matter of absolute biblical fact, Trump is the guy that God chose to be the next president of the United States of America. I don't care how you voted. If Hillary had been elected, I could, I'd say the same thing. If Hillary had been elected, I'd say Hillary is the chosen by God to be the president of the United States, possibly to whip us real good, but I don't. God's looking for some folks that are humble. He's looking for some contrite and broken people, some God-dependent people, selfless people, God-filled people. People who understand it's the powers of God, not you. But you know what? We don't naturally start out there. This is what Christian maturity is all about. This is what spiritual growth is all about. This should be the goal of every church that believes the Bible for their people. That they would learn the things not of themselves, but of God. And then... Whatever happens, no bitterness, no bitterness, no bitterness. Uh, some of you may know or not. I've said it many times here. When I got cancer at 28 years old and they cut on me and radiated me and things, 
I had a choice of getting bitter. I, 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 by the way, I'd never taken pills at all. No pills, no aspirin, no, no, no headache up to that point in my life. And the guy told me after surgery, he said, now you got to take this little pill every day. You have to take, you, you have to. You know, when you're 28, you don't want anybody to tell you you have to do something. You have to do this or you will not live. You have to have this to live from here out, the rest of your life. Don't you like it when you go to the doctor and they say, how long will it be taking that? Oh, the rest of your life. Oh, I just, I was defeated. I was, for a while, I walked around discouraged. I don't know if it discourages you to take medicine, but sometimes it discourages you to take medicine. I thought, man, I did 28 years old. And then I got thinking, God? And then I began to read these sections, and I, and I, and I began to personally speak to me, and God personalized these things. Who are you trusting in? Who are you trusting in for 2017? I hope it's God. Father, we pray in the name above every name that you'd come through the words of the word of the Bible and that you would anoint your word. Scratch from the minds of these folks anything that's been said that would detour away from the truth. I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God would walk up and down these aisles here. I'm sure in a group this size there are folks who are not trusting in God. They're trusting in their ability, their, their prowess, their, their, uh, their intellectual power, uh, something of themselves, but they're not trusting the living God who made heaven and earth. Ultimately, they're, they're deceived if they're not, because everybody that's not trusting in God is not trusting in the truth, and if you miss the truth, all you have left is error. May Father, they see the truth clearly today. Say, I want the truth. They come and trust Jesus, starting right off trusting Jesus Christ, their personal Savior and Lord, and stepping into the truth and the, and the adventure of it all, of knowing who God is. Father, there's Christians out here this morning and that last year they, they did not trust in the living God. They trusted in themselves. Their life got off, off base, out of focus. Pray that you'd help them refocus this year. That this year may be the best year they've ever lived for God. Help us, Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. If you'd like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.